Hey, um, everybody. Hi. <laughs> hey, we're, uh, once again, technical difficulties, because that's how I roll up in this piece. Um, we are doing some extra podcasts, and we're doing them to make them more accessible uh, to people that maybe want to study the Bible, but maybe don't want to listen to Deuteronomy for seven years. And, and, and part, of, um, part of this is this is maybe the first of many where um, we're going to be talking about Bible study resources. Um, I think we have one in the future planned of um, as parents um, teaching mm-hmm. our kids and, and what that looks like. And uh, I think we, we've, we're trying to come up with some other ideas as well as some like special... What what are we calling this? Special series? Yeah, we we kind of, we had a name. I wrote it down. I'll have to look for it. Oh, we did have a name? Yeah, we talked about it like when it's cold and snowy outside, and now it's hot and muggy, and I don't know. Yes. So these are just a little special. We we plan on them. uh, Our goal is hopefully once a month, but I'm not pinky promising anything. Yes. So we want to talk about other stuff kind of outside of the realm of Deuteronomy, but we want it to be helpful stuff for you. So like you said, we're going to talk about different things today. Uh, we want to talk about the resources that we use for Bible study. So we've been accused of being smart, and we want to dispel that rumor <laughs> by showing you who the smart people actually are. Right. It's not us. Yes. <clears throat> so I got to quit saying, I'm sounding like the dude. So <laughs> um, we are both, we've explained this if you listen to the intro podcast, we did go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we learned at Bible college is that there are other resources that help us study the Bible. And um, these sources are something that are actually very easy to get your hands on. So when you think like, oh, it's a source for like a doctor or a counselor or something, you think like $200 book, you think of like getting a copy of the DSM, which is dry and hard to read, or you think of stuff like that. But Bible study resources are really readily available. Um, So before we talk about some of the resources themselves. I do want to say one thing. Um, I have a, a order that I go through Bible study, and I would highly recommend it. And the top of that order is read the passage with no help. Read it without the stuff we're going to talk about. It. Read it without extra resources, maybe even a couple of times. So you might have your daily reading where you kind of play Bible roulette and you open up and you end up in Psalms nine times out of ten and you read the Psalm and you're like, that's good. I'm going to just roll with that for the day and whatever. And then there's times you sit down to study the Bible or maybe you're asked to prepare uh, a sermon or maybe you're asked to prepare a small talk or a speech or a teaching for your church or for an event or something like that. Or you're just like, hey, you know what? I want to study the Bible and I want to know it really well. Start out by reading and let that be where your first work begins. Mm-hmm. And, and, and realize that, again, this even can go for some of your own study as well, where um, it, it doesn't hurt some days to, to go ahead and, and go, well, I'm going to go here today, or I'm going to go here today, or tomorrow I'm going here. But, but to really set out a, a plan for yourself, well, what is it that you want to study? And, and really pray about it. What, what is it that God wants you to study? Um, I know for me... Um, there's sometimes very different between the days that I'm just reading and and studying for the sake of studying and and times when I I genuinely believe um, that that God's working through what I'm studying and and helping me through that understanding. Um, So, you know, having an idea of what it is that you want to study is very helpful and, and being focused on that because it is very difficult to pick up a Bible and say, well, what am I going to study today? And just flipping through going, you know, 
I don't know. Ooh, Psalm. Okay, I was there yesterday. Why not? Let's do this one. Yeah. Um, oh, Psalm 119 again. Right. Yeah. So so being able to to pick something, I know um, I've had a blast with, with Don doing this Deuteronomy study. Um, it has definitely taken a lot of my... Um, my, my time studying God's Word, but I've had so much fun doing it. It's not a chore by any means. I'm also studying Acts with a small group, um, oh, nice. having a blast oh, so, with that. So your New Testament side comes out. It's there. It's there. You <laughs> sorry, um, um, You know, so so there's definitely finding a place where you want to go and what you want to study is great. Before I was doing Deuteronomy with Don, I, I, I went through Isaiah. Uh, I remember last summer, alongside of Deuteronomy, you were also studying fasting, the topic. Oh, yeah, the topic of fasting, yes. So it wasn't even another book of the Bible. Yeah. So that's another thing that you can look at. You can look at topics. So you can say, I want to study fasting. I want to study prayer. I want to study tithing. I want to study uh, ecclesiology, which is like the structure of the church. I mm-hmm. want to study... Uh, the miracles of Jesus. I want to study, you know, so you can go book by book or you can also go topic by topic. Right. Right. So, so uh, get us started. What, uh, tell us about that plan that you say you have, you know, first of all, you, you start off just by reading it. So Mm -hmm. once you've chosen, um, maybe a topic or maybe once you've chosen a, a book of the Bible that you want to study, start off just by reading. So, so, so my typical, yeah, my typical, pattern is to go kind of book by book. I'm rarely a topical guy. Um, I don't know. I'm just bad at it. it I, I, I tend to lose interest or if I, if I get what I'm looking for quickly, it's very hard for me to dive deeper. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's a flaw in my study. So I'm very much like a, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go through the book of whatever. And I'm probably going to study that all the way through. And in many cases I get a lot out of that because most books of the Bible cover those topics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might not get like some extensive fasting out of like, say, Jude, which is like a one page <laughs> book. Uh, but, you know, there's most books you're going to cover a, a myriad of topics and get right, something right. out of. So um, what I tend to do, so I'm going to use Samuel as a uh, example here. Let's say I'm sitting down to study Samuel, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I will begin by reading. If I can read through the whole book, in one sitting, I'll try and do that. But I also know that I'm limited. I got a lot of kids. I got a family. So I'll kind of go maybe a couple of chapters or I'll look at the Bible headings, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people say don't do that. But I'm like, well, they're there for a reason. Right. Um, so I'll go through maybe heading by heading and I'll try and read a section and I'll usually try and read it twice without any help. Then I'll bring in the helps. And then the kind so, of. So oh, yeah. tell us, first of all, why is it that you read through the headings? Well, why is it that you, first of all, why is it that you try and read through the whole book? But if you can't, why is it that you read through the headings? Well, what's the purpose behind that? So I want the context of the book, and I want the book as a whole to come hit me. I want to know everything from the book from start to finish in context. In context, just, you know, basically meaning I want to know everything there is about it, what's going on. Because if I start reading uh, Samuel, I start reading, you know, oh, well, this is about a boy that basically ends up uh, giving away a birth in the temple. Well, that's kind of a weird book. And if I stop right there, I don't get the context of who Samuel becomes. I don't understand that he's basically Israel's first kingmaker. Um, I don't see the great things that he's a part of. I don't, you know... I don't see the progression of Israel's history. And so that context can seem kind of weird. And so when we're talking context, um, uh, sometimes context can be used in, in our 
we, we want to think that that each one of these books is is either a narrative it's it's a story it's it's we we see oh well first samuel 1 5 well well really those those basically those chapters and those um, verses weren't originally in the the original text. Right, right. So when we're thinking reading through the entirety of a book, um, we're making sure that we understand what is the the whole premise of, of the book. What is the narrative? What's the story? What's what is being presented here in the letter? What is what? So what, whatever type of of book of the Bible that we're reading, it's 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 good to understand how it all fits together. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and so that kind of brings me to part two. After I do that, usually I'll pull out. Um, if it's something that I'm not clear on or something I've forgotten, um, I'll pull out what's called a survey. A lot of times, a Bible survey. Uh, that's kind of. Uh, it looks like you might have some on your pages right there. Do you have the two Old Testament, New Testament by Tremper Longman? Um, no, I've got the IVP Bible background. Oh, oh, oh. They have like the same cover from which I love the. Oh, those are my new resources that are great. We'll we'll use that later on when we're. Yeah. Oops. Oh, and I hit the wrong button. <clears throat> so a survey is a uh, a book that kind of gives you like a very high-level overview of what's going on in the Bible, so or in a particular book of the Bible or maybe a particular section of the Bible. And it's basically uh, what are some of the main themes of this book? What's some of the history that's going on in an area around the book? So who are kings of other nations? Who are... Um, What's the political climate like? What are some of the uh, situations going on? Is there famine? Is there abundance? Uh, it kind of gives you a background to what's going on in that time, in that region, but maybe not mentioned in the scriptures. Okay. But it, some of them, or a lot of them, I should say, I have a couple that don't, but a lot of them will also examine... Uh, like I said, the themes or the thrust of what's going on in the book. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a good survey, you can get some wonky themes and wonky thrust of what's going on in the book. Yes. So yep. I'm trying to get Tremper. So so I have two of them, which which might hit that. Um, is the IVP good or bad? <laughs> no, I like them. I was, um, I was messing with you. So it's the IVP Bible Background Commentary. Um, they've got an Old Testament and a New Testament version. And really the heart of, of both of these books, which I've come to really, really like, is it gives you the context of, um, it kind of gives the context to, to what's going on in the time period that these um, these whatever book you're reading is being discussed. Um, one of them addresses the New Testament. The other one addresses the Old Testament. They don't give you much of, well, here's how it applies or anything like that. It's really just, well, here's what would have been happening in this time period. Um, so, so maybe, for example, if you've been listening to the Deuteronomy uh, things. One of them is is pigs. What was the role of pigs within mm. this the Near Eastern culture and society that would have been surrounding Israel during the time period? Um, I think I've been doing some of the New Testament uh, with Acts. It, it might give you well. Here's what. Um, 
when it talks about the 12th hour or the sixth hour, well, what time is that? And so those are the things that, that it kind of gives you in these so that you can have an understanding of the culture and the context that's in that. And so you're going, well, what's the sixth hour? <laughs> well, this might explain, here's what the sixth hour would have been um, when they're praying or whatever. And what's the approximate cost? And I know you, you've got the Kindle version. So I got the Kindle versions. Um, my, my buddy got the big version, which is like a huge, gigantic <laughs> book. But I like I like reading on my phone. I like studying the Bible. So like, I, I've got these books right here on my Kindle on my phone. I think I paid twenty bucks for each one of those. Okay. So that's really forty bucks for the entire the entire Bible. Um, and and I do like to go other commentaries as well. But I really like this one because it gives the background information. It's very short, um, concise, but but does a good job of explaining the various verses that are in the Bible, and it covers pretty much all of them, um, or most of them, so you get the context of what's going on. Now, there's also a, a couple of surveys. One is called An Introduction to the Old Testament, I believe. Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Who does the NIV? Who's uh, that publisher? Uh, is that Zondervan? Yeah, Zondervan. Uh, it's by Zondervan. It's uh, the two guys on our Tremper Longman III and Raymond B. Dillard, and I don't know much about Raymond B. Dillard, but Tremper Longman III is actually quite the Old Testament stud, and he's a really good guy. If you see books by him, you, you can almost bet they're going to be quality. And in that same series, there's an introduction to the New Testament by uh, D.A. Carson and Douglas J. Moo. Yes, M-O-O, like the cow noise, uh, which are very good. And they're both average. If you get them new, you're looking at that $20 range. Uh, you can get them used. I see on Amazon right now, it's 9 bucks a piece used. Uh, if you are okay with getting the dead tree versions, if you want the Kindle version, though, you're looking at the kind of the retail price. Okay. And what, what are those books again? Uh, an Introduction to the Old Testament and An Introduction to the New Testament. Uh, what, the Old Testament is Tremper Longman III, and then the New Testament is Douglas J. Moo and D.A. Carson. And if you get those as dead tree, they're very picture intense. So you get some really nice photographs of some Bible areas. So that can also kind of help put you in the world a little bit. I'm not sure Kindle-wise, if you have a black and white Kindle, how well those would show up. But if you have like a, a LCD screen, I'm sure the pictures would look great. Okay. So if you got an iPad or a Kindle Fire or whatever. So that's like the, that's the uh, 30,000 level view, uh, 30,000 foot level view. Those are surveys. They're broad overviews of the Bible. And those are really good when you're first starting a book. Now, when you get into study, we often tote the use of commentaries themselves. So we've used the term somewhat interchangeably, but a survey is, or an introduction is, let's look at everything about this book kind of in one short chapter, you know, in one short picture of what's going on, where a commentary, you're going to drill down and go at a verse-by-verse -verse level of what's going on. So do you want to talk? You're intense over there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was looking up no, those. No, okay. uh, see, so, so let me, I guess, as we get into this, um, and I guess we'll get a little bit further into it when we're talking about how to find some of these resources. Mm -hmm. um, so as Don's talking, I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm on my Amazon. So I'm partially looking at Amazon because that's where all my Kindle books are. Um, but I'm also going, ooh, you just gave me a good resources to look at. So like I'm all I'm always looking for, for people to, to ask, asking your pastor, asking your preacher, um, asking some 
um, people you respect and the to give you suggestions on, on good commentaries are always a thing. If I'm going to study a new book of the Bible, um, usually Don is one of the first people I go to. I'll go to the pastors oh, of our church, um, and and go to people that you respect that uh, you know with their understanding of Scripture. Um, so it's always important that, that you can use those as resources. Because if you go to Amazon and you go commentary on Acts, yeah. You could go in all kinds of different direction, directions there. So there, There's actually a really good site that I'll cheat with sometimes, and I would recommend if you don't have a good pastor, maybe you're a baby Christian, you don't know, you know how to get FaceTime with your pastor, or you, you haven't started going to church yet, um, or if you just don't have a lot of Christian friends or good resources, there's a website called bestcommentaries.com, and they have them spread out by Book of the Bible, and they give them a rating, basically a 1 to 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been pretty good uh, for stuff that I've looked at, and I've, I've trusted them. So it's just bestcommentaries.com. Uh, however, some of the commentaries I use are not rated on there yet, or they're not as favorably rated as some of the top commentaries. Okay. Uh, and the, re- the reason for that is because I do often trust particular authors a lot. Being someone who's done a lot of study in the Old Testament, uh, almost all my electives for my undergrad were Old Testament. I was already like knee-deep in a lot of books and a lot of authors that I still trust today. And mm-hmm. if I see their na- name on a commentary, um, I'll tend to research it a little more and probably pick that one. Right. Uh, but like exception to the rule i was looking for a good commentary on james mm-hmm. and they recommended the one by douglas moo okay and so that's the one i searched for and that's the one i bought okay cool. um i found it a deal i recommend commentaries used because a lot of times they get sold back to colleges and then they get put out into like book distributors so you can pick them up cheaper um i got it for 18 bucks new i think it's 35 okay so i buy a lot of, but i buy mine hardback or you know dead tree or paperback mm-hmm. or whatever um, <clears throat> where I can get used pricing. Kindle, the prices can fluctuate daily. So I'm looking right now at co- the commentary I use for Deuteronomy. The Kindle price right now is 10 bucks, but I've seen it as low as 6 Right. So, y- you know, you got to keep your eye on those Kindle prices as well. You're, you can find a Kindle version deal. Yes, you can. So a commentary, we were kind of saying before, a commentary is like a verse-by-verse look, or at a minimum a chapter-by-chapter, because chapter, sometimes they'll skip over you know, a chunk of verses if they don't have good notes for it. And all commentary is, is a scholar, a really smart person, went through the Bible, went through that book and said, hey, I'm going to go verse by verse and talk about what this verse is talking about. Or I'm going to look at some of the translation methods used and put things in another phrasing that might make more sense to a, a modern day audience. And that, that that's essentially what a commentary is. It, it's a scholar's notes on the book. Yes. Most good commentaries are readable by a normal person. Mm -hmm. I do not read scholars speak well. So if your commentary is very pithy, I'm probably not going to read it. Um, The one I'm using for our Deuteronomy studies by a guy named Michael Grisanti. um, And we're also using Christopher, is it J.H. Wright? Christopher Wright. Yeah, Christopher Wright. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both guys are very... J.H. Wright. Yeah, J.H. Wright. Christopher J.H. Wright. Um, Both guys are immensely good writers. They're both, Christopher J.H. Wright is pastoral, so he, you feel like he's really teaching you, and he's taking you really into the heart of what's going on. Grisanti is more academic, and he's telling you more about, in the Hebrew, it says this, uh, the name of the place is that, this guy was ruling here, 
this guy's there. The legend of King Og is talking about this. You know, he really kind of digs into more of the academic research. Christopher Wright is more the pastoral. So in the case of Deuteronomy, I'm very happy to have two different commentaries on it. Cause, and, and I like both. I like to get as close to the... I don't necessarily want a lot of people's interpretations on them. I want to... I don't speak Greek and Hebrew. Right. Um, but I want the ability to to know what the original heart and intent was behind what I'm reading. Because then when I read it, I can allow God to, to speak through that um, so that I have a good understanding. So that if I go to teach it, if I go to explain it, even if I just go to understand it myself, I'm getting as close to the biblical context and understanding of it as possible. If I start getting a lot of, I don't like to read a lot of commentaries that offer opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I don't want someone else's opinion. And, and while I, I like Matthew Henry's commentaries, I uh-huh. think that's a great beginner. Like I don't have a commentary because you could usually pick those up for like 10 bucks. Okay. But I feel Matthew Henry's very opinion loaded. Okay. So. Okay. And he's, but he's very basic which makes him good but he's very opinionated which can make him a little less than my favorite right and and some people that that's a fine direction to go oh it's um, great great anything that helps you right. you know because I, I mean i love my wife dearly um I, I love her a whole lot um and i respect her and, and her understanding and knowledge of scripture um but we both study the bible very differently um, and the resources that we use are, are very different as well my commentary she's like Scott, your commentaries bore me. I was like, well, that's good. I want them <laughs> to be boring. I don't know if she's read that one. Oh, okay. But she's more like, she, she gets more of the, the, maybe not the chapters, but at least the longer spans with people who are more eloquent in their speaking. And, mm. and I'm more, again, okay, I'm glad. If, if it's dry, I'm okay with that. Um, Christopher Wright actually is a really good writer. So yeah, he's you kind will, of the opposite of dry. <laughs> right. You will definitely find good writers that still get back, get to the heart of the biblical context um, that, that can very much help you out in your study. So basically, if you're using a commentary, um, I have some commentaries that have the text in them, uh, which make for very thick books because they have the biblical text right there in the commentary. And then I have some that do not at all. So like the one by Douglas, I'm looking at it like you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Douglas Moo when it's in my bag. Um, it's a very thin book because it doesn't have the text of James in it. Uh, however, my Deuteronomy one's a very fat book because it ha- also includes the entire text with it. And it breaks it down into sections. And as you're reading, you can read kind of the section. And then below it, it goes verse by verse explaining things. So when I use it, a lot of times I'll read through if there's a concept I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around or something that just doesn't make sense, I'll look at that particular verse and say, okay, so what does he have to say about this section? How does he sum it up? Um, you know, how how does he teach it to me is pretty much what I look at. Okay. okay. So I don't, I don't read through the entire commentary in all cases. All right. And actually, I've, over the last couple of weeks, I've tried to rely on the commentary less and less. And I'm trying to kind of provoke my mind into thinking about it more and trying to make the connections that maybe the commentator would make. So, you know, oh, well, there's a pattern that's here. Um, really? I, this is the part of Deuteronomy that you start doing that on? I know. We're 15 <laughs> chapters. chapters <laughs> um, but, yeah, I start, I really have started looking and saying, like, okay, so how are the patterns laid out here that are with the rest of the book? Um, how does this fit things that we've already studied? Because I'm trying to make my brain do a little bit more lifting, even though I don't know Hebrew. <laughs> That's why you didn't know about the pigs. Oh, el cerdo. 
that's Spanish for the pig. Okay. Um, so that's a that's a commentary in a nutshell, verse by verse. Some have um, Hebrew in them, or they might explain some Hebrew words a little bit, um, which leads me to biblical languages, uh, just kind of a sidebar. I've had a lot of people ask me, and I've asked other people, like, do we need to learn Hebrew and Greek to be good Bible students or Aramaic? You know, you throw that in there as well. And I talked to a guy who just graduated seminary, so he's legit. He did take Greek, and he started Hebrew. And I said, hey, do I really need this? Is that going to help me? Is that is there What is it that's going to help me? And he told me, if I'm not teaching it, if I'm not teaching Hebrew and Greek, or I'm not teaching Old Testament as far as like at a scholarly level, I can get the same effect by getting two or three mainline translations and reading out of each of them. So maybe line up an ESV Bible, an NIV Bible, an NKGV, and an NASB. Read the same chapter out of all four, and you'll kind of get that little bit more in depth. So my one commentary has the NIV text already in it, and then I use the ESV as my primary. All right. My, my head's about ready to explode. Sorry. So... Let me, ex- so so we're, we're saying NASB, NBC, ABC, um, um, New King James, King James, NIV, um, ESV. You already said that. Uh, did I? Yeah, okay. I um, well, do, should I really go through my Bible app and list the hundreds of oh, what? So, so what, what, is the, what is the difference between these translations? Uh, so the... Differences between the translations are the theory that the translators used when translating the Bible. So there's some big words like functional equivalent, dynamic equivalent. But basically, did they go through every word and try and translate every word from the native language to English? Did they go by every thought or every phrase and try and translate that from the native uh, language to English? Or did they go by large sections? So did they say, hey, this chapter, we can sum this up. Or not sum it up, that's the wrong word. But can we translate this whole chapter? Which that usually comes in what we call a paraphrase. So um, so can you give us some examples of, of like, you know, like ESV, yeah, message, the, things like that? The, N- the NASB is, NASB, New American Standard Bible, is a word for word. Gosh, I think the ESV is also word for word. I think it is too. I'm I'm 90% sure, but I want to say that they've had some retranslation on some of it. Okay. Just minor stuff, but I think it's because of the the way it came out. So they're kind of saying like, well, thought for thought, it should actually be more like this, even though word for word it came out like that. Okay. So I think that's kind of like a borderline. Uh, a uh, The NIV is definitely a thought for thought, um, which if you go through it sometimes in the Old Testament, like especially in Joshua, um, you might read the NASB or the ESV and end up with like, you know, 30 extra words in a chapter that aren't included in those because what they try and do is sum up the entire thought and put it in a readable way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people don't like that. Um, I think it's not my favorite, but it's fine. Um, and then you have a paraphrase, which would be like the New Living Translation or the message. Creepy door close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the the message of the New Living Translation, which those are basically um, restating things in a modern tone uh, that would make more sense in today. So like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, He sent His only Son, and whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The paraphrase might say, God loves the world so much that He sent His one and only Son, and whoever believes in Him will not spend eternity in hell, but instead spend eternal life in heaven. 
So they'll kind of try and rephrase it in a way that makes more sense to the modern reader. And the New Living Translation I have, the New Living Translation Study Bible, and sometimes like when I'm writing a sermon, I'll like be looking through several different translations and I'm trying to find a way to describe something. I'll open up the NLT and I'm like, oh yeah, that's perfect. The way they put it there is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, the message, uh, I'm not a fan. Me neither. Okay, good. Um, I'm not a fan because I feel like the NLT is at least a bit tighter where I feel the uh, message is super loose and I think that it alters meaning in some cases. So that's kind of where I sit. So having a good mainline translation is something that you want to have. Um, and almost any of the, the big guys, I use ESV. Uh, Holman Christian Standard is good. NASB is good. Uh, New King James Version is fine. Old King James Version is lacking, but I won't fault you for using it. That's good. We might lose listeners. Now, so, if you're King J- KGV only is you probably don't like us anyway because we read we read the ESV text okay. in our studies. So, so we, we mostly read word by word tra- uh, translations. Yeah. Um, so I'm ESV or NASB are most likely the translations I go to the most. Um, I will go to NIV, uh, but it's not my first. And the message I will probably never touch with a very, uh, not even with a long pole. I, um, I had a version of the message, and I had set it on top of a car, and we went off to go do something, and I came back, and it was stolen. Oh. And I didn't really feel bad. <laughs> it felt worse for the person who took it. <laughs> right. So so I, I do not like the, the uh, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of those. Um, I, I'm not going to hate if that's something that you read, um, especially it, it could be a good start. Uh, I usually like the word for word, and, and the main reason for that, again, is I want to understand the scripture as best as I can to the original language as it was written, uh, because then that gives me an opportunity to not get someone else's opinion yeah. of what that phrase meant or what that entire oh. section meant. It gives me an opportunity to, to see it, because unfortunately, when you get into some of those, you're getting into some other people's opinions. And then sometimes God's word can be skewed in those circumstances. And yeah. I'm not saying it always is, but I want to avoid that. So the NLT uses a committee to translate, which is, an, I think, another reason there's an advantage of the NLT over the message. The message was all done by one guy. And I don't think that's a safe way to translate because you're right. definitely getting one guy's view of the scriptures. Yeah. So moving on. So we got commentaries. Uh, do you have anything else to say about commentaries or Bible translation specifically? I would like to get into Bible dictionary. Does that fit into this section? Yeah, go ahead and do that, and then okay. I'll do software, and we'll wrap it okay. up. Okay. So Bible dictionary kind of can go into the commentary section. Um, and a Bible dictionary, uh, I actually have one away from my microphone. Um, but a Bible dictionary is kind of like a dictionary. If you don't understand what a word is, um, then you would go to a dictionary, you'd look up that word, and it might give you a definition or or even an encyclopedia. Um, so I guess it can, really, a Bible dictionary might be closer to an encyclopedia than, than it actually would maybe a dictionary. Um, but basically, you would go, you'd look up that word, and it would give you a description of, of kind of what that thing is. So, for example, I might go to um, a Bible dictionary, and I might go, or I might be reading, and I was like, Canaanites. Well, what did the Canaanites believe? 
So I might go to a Bible dictionary and I might look up the word Canaanites and it would give me a basic idea of, of what they did, what their religion is, where they would come from, what they did, how Israel dealt with them. And even if I'm looking up at a city and so maybe, you know, a city didn't make sense or my commentary didn't address it or whatever, I could go to a Bible dictionary to kind of help me understand those terms, understand how it fit within the culture and that sort of thing. Many of those things you'll find in, say, like, if you've got those background commentaries or what did you call them? Yeah, the surveys. Lots of times you'll find some of that information there. But if you're not looking at any specific verses and you're just curious about that topic, uh, Bible dictionaries will, will kind of go ahead and, and give you that description. Who um, yours through? Um, so I use the one that I actually got from Bible College. Oh, you've, you've got a classic. <laughs> yes, and so this one actually is, I think, is the new international version. So as much as I said I don't follow the NIV, actually There's lots a of... Lot. In, the, in the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of books with Zondervan's NIV in them, mm-hmm. so... And I think this actually is Zondervan, yeah. Yeah, well, Zondervan um, owns the NIV, so if it's in there, that's either licensed by them or it's them. Right, so this is Zondervan's um, Understand the Bible Reference Series. Uh, it's a Bible dictionary, um, so that's kind of... What I use or what I kind of go to, um, Hadessa, my daughter, the other day was downstairs as I was studying Deuteronomy, and oh, she was asking them great questions. But I went to the Bible dictionary for something. She's like, Daddy, what's that? And so we started kind of talking about, you know, know what that is and um, kind of, again, anything you can kind of think of, diseases, um, I don't... Oh, yeah, because leprosy is a broad term. Absolutely, yeah. Kind of dig down... Um, Edomites, Edom, dress. Um, Are you going in alphabetical order? <laughs> I'm just flipping through and actually, seeing Levites. Well, what are the Levites? So, so if you're looking up certain topics, you can usually find those in in the Bible dictionary. There's that one's probably you can probably find that one either as a Kindle version or as a uh, hardback version. Probably cheap, especially if you go used. Mm-hmm. There's also the Haley's Bible dictionary. That's a smaller. Uh, and a lot more pictures. So for a beginner, you could probably pick one of those up. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two. Uh, one's a dictionary of Paul and his letters, mm-hmm. which is by IVP. So it's a dictionary specifically geared towards uh, Paul's missionary travels and the letters he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, the epistles attributed to him. And then I have one. It's a dictionary of Old Testament imagery. Okay. So those are. So you can take the dictionary. You can have a Bible dictionary like yours, which is kind of an overview of maybe Old and New Testament. And then, of course, there's also ways you can kind of whittle down and get a little bit more exhaustive by going by topics. Right. Um, the two that I have, I'm looking at them right now, they're 15 bucks on Kindle or less. Um, the hardback version is 42 but I think I got mine on sale, like buy one, get one free. And what are those? Uh, Dictionary of Paul and his letters and Dictionary of Old Testament imagery. Okay. Um, they're like so they're both hitting like 40 bucks right now. They're IVP, that's the publishing house, but uh, Kindle versions are like, I have one that's $13.50. Okay. So you can pick them up pretty cheap. Um, and it's a good, th- those are a great resource. They're usually, if, if you don't get them on Kindle, they're going to be thick. So it's going to make your books, you know, your, your study area look pretty impressive. Right. It's all about the looks. And, and if <laughs> you don't care about the looks and you just want all of your uh, library on your phone um, that you carry <laughs> everywhere you go, then you can do what I do and, and get the uh, get the Kindle versions. Um 
Also, concordances. I don't even know if that's really a thing anymore. You, um, con- yeah, you concord- don't need as much. Yeah, because now that you can search everything, um, concordances were eventually used to give you cross-references of, well, if you're looking up a word, swim or death. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, Sorry. What, it would, if you had a, you probably have one in the back of your Bible. So if you look up death, it might tell you 10 verses or 10 sections that talk about death. If you have a whole concordance, like a, a book that's about as big as a Bible dictionary, it might give you every verse in the Bible that mentions the word death. So there's, you know, th- those, oh, that's Douglas Moo. Is that who they said on the front, on the flyleaf? Um, J.D. Douglas? Oh, no, never mind. I no. saw Doug. I was like, oh, that dude's everywhere. No, um, I don't have Moo. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, so that actually brings us into why you don't need a concordance. And we just said it's software. Um, software can be both super cheap to free to super expensive. Um one thing you can do usually pretty well is if you search a verse on Google or you've got part of a verse in your head, it will probably come up to, is it BibleGateway.com? Uh, I think so. That's usually the most common. And BibleGateway.com is actually a great resource for concordance-like searches, especially if you've got like a partial verse in your head, and it's free to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be like, hey, in that while we were yet sinners, where did I hear that before? What verse is that in? If you type that into Google, nine times out of ten, Bible Gateway will come up as the first. And like I said, it's free. Bible Gateway does have some commentaries for free, but I'd probably, you know, search those well. Um, and on top of that, it has basically every single translation, I think, out there. And you can search by translation and see that. Um I think it's all completely free. I believe it can also read you the verses, so you can kind of get some audio with it if you right. want it to read it to you. Um, so if you have accessibility needs or whatever, that's there for you. Um, there, is, You use Olive Tree? I don't use Olive Tree. Okay. Olive Tree is a free base. Uh, they give you, I think, uh, the free Olive Tree Bible. probably gives you the King James Version, among other stuff, that you can use on smartphones. You can use it on your computer. And then you can buy the resources, so basically ebooks, and a lot of the stuff that we just talked about is available on Olive Tree, and you basically buy them, and you get them in Olive Tree, and it makes them all work together. So you might do a search for death. If you do it in Olive Tree with all of your resources, it'll search your Bible dictionary, it'll search your commentary, it'll search your concordance, it'll search your Bible translations all in one shot. So do you have to own them then? Yeah, you'll have to, so you get Olive Tree, download that for free. Okay. And then you buy your resources. Oh, and then it searches all your resources? Yeah, it can link them all together. Logos does the similar thing, but you have to buy the base for Logos. Okay. Or at least you used to. They're kind of a weird company, and they're trying to do some odd stuff. So I can't recommend them anymore. So I would have recommended them five years ago, but not today. So if I put my, can I put my Kindle books into that one thing, and then it searches all of those resources? You'll have to check. Okay. I haven't used Olive Tree in a few years. I just know a lot of people are kind of migrating to it because okay. of the free base. Right. And a lot of like Logos, I think they have a free app that gives you a couple of little resources, but it's kind of the same idea where you can do word studies and stuff like that, and it will it allows you to search your resources right there without having to go into each individual app. You kind okay. of get them all at one shot. Okay, that's nice. Um, the downside to Logos, super complicated can get really expensive really fast. Okay. Um, Olive Tree is a little simpler, but it also has the ability to go expensive. Um, I know the commentaries that we 
use are available in both that we use for um, Deuteronomy. Okay. <coughs> Among almost every other popular study tool. Um, there's also uh, one that's going away. Oh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. I probably won't bring it up anyway because they're going under, which is sad. Oh, uh, there's a, what's the one? I can't think of it. Oh, let me do a quick Google search. I, Accordance. I didn't have to search it. Oh, okay. um, Accordance is a cheaper version of Logos. Uh, that gets some pretty good acclaim. And I think you can start Accordance pretty cheap. I think you can do an account for free and you can get like a cheap startup here. I should have done this before I... Yeah, you can get the light one for free. And then you can buy them basically with some uh, resources already in them. So it might come with like maybe a Old Testament commentary. Um, some might come with like, you know graphic resources, charts and graphs and stuff, just depending on what you want. And it can quickly add up from there to a few hundred bucks to a few thousand. Okay. If you want the Greek and Hebrew to go with it. Um, I also have used, and I've not used it recently, um, Globe Bible. Um, I didn't mean to ask you what the heck that is for like six months. Oh, I really like it. And so, well, again, um, I was doing, they have an app now, which I've not looked at the app. And someone said it was, subscription-based, so I don't know if that's true. I bought basically Glow Bible. Um, it came with a CD. It's G-L-O. Yeah, G-L-O um, Bible. And it came with like a CD, if, if you know what those things are still, <laughs> um, or a DVD, something that you put into your, your computer and then you can download the software. I think you can download it from their website as well, uh, so you can get the desktop version again. The Android and iOS version, I, I don't know if it's subscription-based or how that works. Um, but I really like it because it offers different commentaries. It actually offers pictures and videos. Um, it's one of those where, say, you're, you're curious as to what the temple looks like. Um, you can take a virtual tour of what the temple would have looked like. Bad, bad news. What? Um, they'll no longer be offering the desktop version as of November 2017. Okay, so the desktop you got to go right to the apps, I guess, doesn't now. work anymore. Sorry. So, but you already own it, so you have access to it. Right, so I have access to it. Um, I am assuming then that, that from, from what I'm, I'm gathering actually on their website, um, all of the resources that I really like still exist. So you can take virtual tours. Uh, so say, for example, I want to uh, see what the temple looked like. You can take the virtual tours. You can click on the different items why, that would have been Why have you been seen. hiding this from me? I'm sorry. I thought you already knew about it. No, I've seen the box in on yourself for like six months, and I'm like, oh, what's that? Oh. Yeah, so it's great. And so you can just do virtual tours. And, and so, like, say I'll click on the um, a piece of furniture that's found in there. It'll zoom into it. You can do, like, a 360 version of the actual um, artifact and what that looks like. It explains how it was used within the temple and what it is. Um, you can, like, huh. zoom outwards. And, and so they've got virtual tours of, of different areas and places w within Scripture that you're looking at, especially if you're thinking Old Testament. You're like, man, what does that look like? And you just type it in, and you can go find it. It'll tell you a virtual tour. Sometimes they got a video. Um, I, I really like it. Um, I, unfortunately, the computer that I had it on um, actually kind of exploded or just stopped working. <laughs> so I have not used it recently. Uh, but as we were doing this, I was like, ooh, I need to go back in there and see if they got an app now or, or whatever. So, so with that, Glow Bible, G-L-O-B-I-B-L-E, 
and it's one of those that I really enjoy it as a resource. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Again, there's kind of many commentaries in their timelines. If you're kind of curious nice. as to to where something fit within the wide grand scheme of, uh, of a timeline. And I would argue that if you can get a good Old Testament timeline, especially through the times of the kings, that can be immensely helpful. Um, and if you can get it through a software or some other resource, I've got a cool printout. I got a Bible college, but if you can get one, that can be very, very helpful in study. Um, let's see if there's one on, um, so what, while he looks it up, um, so a casket, casket, empty timeline. Maybe you can't get it. I got the book. Is that glow or no, that's a separate resource. Oh. Um, there's actually a great timeline that, that kind of shows you um, it, it kind of shows you the time frame of the um, the prophets and the kings and who is what and um, it's really good but I can't find the actual timeline online so maybe it doesn't exist anymore I have no clue and if we find it we'll throw it in the show notes yeah absolutely well th- that'll be what this summary is is all the resources so we're going to kind of zoom back out a minute. You may have, you know, participated in a Bible study where they gave you a book or they gave you a manual that came from a church or something like that. Those are great. Typically, though, Bible studies already have an agenda. So if you're doing a Bible study on the book of James, it might already have some kind of agenda spelled out for you. <clears throat> and it might ask you some questions that kind of steer you towards whatever that agenda is. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying that's not going to potentially give you the study that you're looking for because it's going to steer you through stuff. So it might say like, you know, what does James say about, you know, holding your tongue? Um, What does James say about obedience? Um, And it might make you focus in specifically on how you're supposed to conduct your speech or obedience, good things, but there's so much more you could be getting out of as well. So if you're going to start out now that we've thrown 3000 resources at you, Mm -hmm. Number one, get a good Bible translation, either a hardback, not a hardback, but a hard copy uh, of one or a free app. I think the ESV app is free. Um, There's tons of Bible apps that are free. There's tons of web-based Bible apps that are free. I think I use version. Yeah, version. Go to your church. They probably have a free copy you can grab. It doesn't (laughs) have to be a fancy Bible. As a matter of fact, the Bible Scott and I use is not fancy. No. It's basically just the text. The only special feature it has is a wide margin. And that's, a, yeah, I wanted the wide margin so I can uh, write in it. But Yeah, there's, there's nothing special. It's no different than the free copy I give away at church. just has a fatter page. And they, they have a women's wide margin, too, because Sarah thought that would be a, a good thing <laughs> to get me. Oh, I thought that was thunder, but it was my wife vacuuming or my oh, kids okay. running. Like, what was that? <laughs> um, um, so get a Bible. That's one. Number two, maybe get a big resource like Scott's. Bible dictionary. Um, that might be a good second. And then I would say find a commentary that fits the book that you're studying at the time. And it doesn't have to be the most expensive commentary. It can be the Kindle version. Look for used if you prefer the paperback version. That's what I do. Um, and start studying. I really, and you know what? The Bible dictionary is a nice added bonus that I would encourage you to get. But I think that's all you really need to start out. Mm-hmm. The be- if you can add on a study group, that's even better. If you can get a friend and start a podcast, that's a great thing. Let us know. We'll, we'll reciprocate. Absolutely. If you're good uh, <laughs> and you're, you're good at what you're doing. Um, 
talk to your pastors, talk to your church. Mm. Uh, but don't just sit there and play Bible roulette every morning yeah. wondering what you're going to get out of it. Because unfortunately, it's just it's difficult to stay motivated. It's difficult to get into something. And, and really, the further I get into different books of the Bible or the further I get into the, my study, the more excited I get. When I'm just randomly, blindly going around, I'm like, ah, oh, yawn. And, and okay, it's not that bad, but, but in all honesty, it can be. It's harder to get into. Yeah, it, it is. Where Deuteronomy, I'm like, ooh, what's happening next? And I, right. I really do get excited about it. Um, so I'm not faking the, the excitement that I have or I need to be more excited, but, but I genuinely get excited about what, what I'm learning through Deuteronomy and how it fits with the New Testament. So, and, and talking with people again is good. Um, I'm, I'm an out loud thinker. My wife says that she should, that you should never believe what I'm actually saying as I'm saying it, <laughs> but, still thinking it. but wait for me to finish. And then she's like, okay, that's where I know you're at. And so I, I process it by talking with other people and getting, talking about, Hey, what do you think about this? Or what, guess what I just read? And then they're like, Oh really? And, and, and so it, it's fun to dialogue about that and, and it helps you get more into it and get excited about it. Uh, one last thing, don't be a snob. Um, don't think you have to have the newest version of the commentary. Uh, that's a trap that I almost fell into because I get the, uh, you know, I'll get the email from the publishing house that says, we got this new commentary. It's the greatest commentary of all time. A lot of the commentaries I have were written in the 80s, 70s, older commentaries, and they're just fine. You don't have to have the new, latest, and greatest um, so don't think that you have to go buy that $100 brand new version. Be content with the old ones. You might even find them to be a little better in some cases. Yep. So yeah, on that, uh, if you have any questions, email us, bobcash at outlook.com. Uh, respond to this posting. Um, hit us up on Facebook, bobcashpod.facebook.com, I believe, or something like that. I'm so bad at those. I'll link all that stuff. Ask us questions if you need anything. Other than that, we and, hope and, we can help. And actually, if you have suggestions, again, I'm always up for good suggestions. Yeah. Again, as Don was mentioning things, I'm actually here on Amazon going. Yeah, where we're like, we're going like, <laughs> I've got save, save. So um, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, um, talk to your pastors, talk to your friends. Um, and um, again, you, you'll, you can kind of grow and get better from there. And Oh, oh yep. and Amazon's not your only resource. No, it's not. Uh, Good, Goodwill Books, surprisingly, can be good. And uh, I find on eBay, there's always a publisher who doesn't want all those copies of that commentary. All right. So that one that I got, I got it for 18 bucks. That's um, typically 35 or whatever. I got it off of eBay, off of someone who just wanted to push it out the door. And, and I think Don pointed me towards like a Bible sale that I got my Bible at. Oh, yeah, the uh, Westminster Bookstore. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, they, a couple times a year, will do a super clearance on like open box Bibles and stuff, and they'll be super cheap. Cool. So, all right, guys, uh, keep studying, keep at it. And uh, thanks for giving us the extra uh, 50 minutes out of your week. Talk to you guys in the next one. Bye.